Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. Uh, if you didn't know it, our pastor is out on vacation slash sabbatical. And uh, so for the next three weeks, you get me. All right, four of you, good, all right. Excellent. <laughs> well, I was uh, uh, bound and determined to make sure that uh, we talked on a subject that is uh, pretty near and dear to my heart, and that is faith. We're going to talk about faith for three weeks in a series called Great Expectations. And so we're going to jump right in. In Acts seventeen twenty six, it says that God has formed you from a one man or one nation, and that he has set up your boundaries and your habitations in which you would dwell, and uh, good works that you should walk in them. And so what we know about you and I is that we're not here by accident. You are here in the very time that God would have you be in for such a time as this. And in that vein, we, uh, we know this, that God don't make no junk. That's what I was told when I was a kid. Does anybody remember that? Uh, God don't make no junk, and, and he has a plan for your life. And uh, I don't know if you guys know me very well or not, but I have a, I've romanticized about the 1940s and 50s. I enjoy the History Channel. I watch uh, all the World War II and color stuff, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers. Anybody else with me on that? I mean, you just, there's just something I get into that. The heroes of that time and the people that were involved in that time and, and, and the music of that time, big band stuff and all the guys that were crooners in that time. And my iTunes account is just full of crooners. Like I have a playlist called crooners. And all the guys in that is like uh, uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, anybody, uh, Jimmy Durante, the, uh, Louis Armstrong, Nat King Cole, Tony Bennett, a little more our time, Ray Charles, Harry Connick Jr. and more towards us, uh, Nora Jones, Aretha Franklin, Michael Bublé. Right? I mean, just for me, I'm a man out of time. I, when PBS runs Lawrence Welk, I still watch Lawrence Welk. That freaks you out a little bit, doesn't it? But I love that stuff. You're like, you're a liar. And I'm like, no, I totally love that stuff. Ask my wife. But God did not create me for the 40s and 50s. And neither did he you. Well, some of you. What I know is, though, my life is not here by accident, and neither is yours. What I know is God has created you to live a specific life that he has dreamt up. And in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that you are God's masterpiece formed in Christ Jesus, that he has preordained good works that you should walk in them, that God has created you to live a specific life that he has dreamt up, and that in that he has prepared for you a, a preferred future, that he has a preferred future for you to live in, that his plans are good for you, to prosper you, that God wants good things for you. But in that, 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that every single one of us will be judged before Jesus Christ according to the life that he dreamt up for me versus the life I actually lived. 
God has a dream for your life. He has a great purpose for you. One greater than you could ever think or imagine. And the problem is, many of us in our mind have roadblocks. Because your experiences have told you something completely different. Can I just tell you those roadblocks are not set up or not the, don't find their genesis in God. They find their genesis in the enemy. And he wants to keep you from being all that God has for you. God chose you to use you to have a great divine assignment that he has for each one of you. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could think or ask, according to his power that works within us. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you is your imagination. Stretching your dreams, the dreams that he has made for you, and taking risks, and the ability to imagine is something that makes us different altogether than the animals, isn't it, as human beings? You were made in God's image and likeness, and therefore, your creative creator has made you creative. You have the ability to imagine. So I just want to take three weeks, and I want you to have some great expectations for some things that God has for your life, to stretch your faith in what God wants to do in your life. So we're going to look at Joshua this morning, David next week, and the week after Abraham. So if you want to be used by God, the first thing that you've got to do to be on the board for you, to take big risks, to dream big, it is you've got to let go of doubt. Consider doubt an enemy. Doubts limit the potential, the dream that God has for you. Doubt causes you to procrastinate, to miss out on the best that God has for your life. We say things like, I doubt God could use me because, or this. Fill in the blank. Look at me in my facial area. Your doubts are making excuses. Stop it. Don't do that. The Bible says in James 1, anyone who doubts is like a wave on the sea. They're blown up and down by every wind. They should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, before we can be used by God in any way, you've got to deal with your doubt issues. And the fact that you doubt God could use you in a great way is a roadblock. Joshua had a doubt problem, and he's an Old Testament guy, and there's... He had a lack of confidence in the plan and the dream that God had for him and his people. And therefore, he had a lack of confidence in himself. And I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, he was the next in line in succession to lead the people of Israel after Moses. Who wants to follow that guy? Like, right. The Deuteronomy says he's the greatest man. Moses is the greatest man who ever lived. Here's Joshua. Oh, great. I'd be in my own head going, really, God, you want me to walk a mile in Moses' shoes? And then you give me this assignment to take this little band of slaves who've been running around the desert for 40 years and to take on enemies in Palestine who you told me their team is bigger and stronger than my team. You told me that. You want me to do that? Yes. So there's a lot of doubt and fear and a lot of lack of confidence in the plan and the dream that God had for him and his people. And before they start the campaign and they're sitting on the banks of the Jordan River and they're going to cross over and begin to take the promised land. In Joshua chapter 1, that's where we're going to be in verse 9. 
He's going to say to him four times, be strong and courageous. Here we go. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, the New Testament believers in Jesus, does this not sound familiar? Do not be afraid. I'm with you always. What does it mean not to be afraid or not to be discouraged? It means to get rid of, to eliminate your fear, to eliminate your doubt. Dump it. Dump your doubts. And it, it sounds so simple, but it's not easy, is it? Why? Because it's a choice. And every time you choose to doubt in this area that God has called you to, that he's been working on you about, and you doubt, you're choosing not to trust God. You're choosing not to have faith. Let me say it this way. Whenever you're doubting God, you're at that point of being a Christian atheist. Right? Right? You're like, uh, yeah, I know there's a God, but I really don't believe him. I'm really not going to believe and follow through with the life that trusts God. And that logic is just asinine because of people that are sitting in churches all over the country today in this world that claim the name of Jesus are believing their doubts and doubting their beliefs. And that's so illogical, isn't it? Reason this out with me. God couldn't use me because of fill in the blank. God's not talking to me this morning. I wish so-and-so was here. He's really would be talking to that, right? I mean, we just do that stuff all the time. When you say that, you're saying, God, I, I don't believe you. I doubt my beliefs, and I doubt you. Can I just give you a suggestion real quick? How about start doubting your doubts and believing your beliefs? Yes? Because God said in Jesus, I am with you always. I want to do above all that you could ever think or ask according to my power that works in you by Christ Jesus for my glory and the good of others. Start believing your beliefs, living your beliefs. And there's a couple of reasons why you don't. Number one is because you compare yourself. How many of you like to compare yourself? Right? Right? I do this all the time. I compare my spiritual gifts, my passions, my personality. And instead of looking to God, you begin to look around to other people's pedigrees. And their personalities and experiences. And you know what the Bible says you do when you compare yourself? First Corinthians 10, 12 says, Those that compare themselves by themselves are unwise to do so. I am a moron when I compare myself. And so are you. Just call us morons. Yes. Don't compare yourself. Well, I'm just average. I'm just ordinary. Great. The same book in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Yes, God tends to use people who wear their shirts with one button missing. Right? Like it's off center. They're missing. You've seen that guy, right? God tends to use that guy. God tends to use the lady this morning. Your tag is sticking up out of your shirt. Don't check. Nicole, you checked. Right? God tends to use people who wear spanks, right? No? That was a bad one? Oh, my bad. He uses those people. I don't know if anybody... And that gives me great hope. It really does. I don't know if anybody knows this. I'm an 
I'm a scrub church bus kid from Bowie, Texas. Did you know that? There was a lady who knocked on my door by the name of Mildred Cornelison, and she started getting into my family. My parents were honky-tonking and drinking every weekend. And she knocked on our door, and she got me coming to church, and got and Jesus saved me and saved my whole family there directly after. And, and God changed. Jesus changed everything. And it confounds some of you why Pastor Paul would leave me in charge for three weeks to preach. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He uses the last guy chosen in dodgeball. He can, I contend with you. God tends to use them. And he wants you to be used for his plan, for his glory, and the good of others. Can I get an amen? You are enough. You are enough. My best friend wrote that to me this morning. I broke out crying like a little baby. Like, you are enough. God wants to use you. The second thing that keeps us from being used in faith by God is in self, and in self-doubt is past failures. And you and I run those things over like a movie, like ESPN, and we run that sports reel over and over, the dumb things and the mistakes, and we replay them and rehearse them. And God knows that you're never going to be used by him to the potential he has for you until you get past that thing. Get past your dumb stunts and your checkered past. Have you read the Bible? Have you? Most of the great leaders of the Bible didn't have a sweet resume, did they? Moses was a murderer before he became a great leader. Jacob stole his family inheritance. David was an adulterer who murdered the husband of the woman he was sleeping with. Last time I checked, that's messed up. Abraham gave his wife away twice. How do you go home with that woman? Here's my wife, saved my life. She doesn't speak to you for months, if not years. Paul was an apostle, who became an apostle, was a religious terrorist before God knocked him out and got his attention. Peter was a hard-driving, hard-drinking, hard-cussing, salty sea dog who had a temper that wouldn't quit, and he constantly... Put his foot in his mouth. And God chose to use that guy. What I'm saying is God uses messy people with messy past. Don't that give you such hope? What really matters is the direction you're headed right now. You know, it's okay for you not to be okay. But it's not okay for you to stay there. See, your anatomy is set up to go forward better than backwards. It's set up to move forward by faith instead of moving backwards in fear, the only thing that isn't up front is your behind. And it's called a behind for a reason. Right? The Bible says, Philippians tells us, forget those things which are behind. Press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice in verse 6, he says, Joshua, you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. Listen, Joshua, you are enough. You're enough. Don't let your past doubts keep you from being all God has called you to be. The second thing I want you to see is you need to find his promises. Joshua was told 13 different times about the promises of God. It's very important to his success to carry out God's dream for God and the dream that God had for Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot will be the land I have given you. If he makes a promise to you, will God keep it? Yes or no? 
test. If he promises to protect you, will he protect you, yes or no? If he promises to bless you, will he bless you, yes or no? Well, yes. God cannot lie. He does what he says. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be blessed by God? Is there anybody in here that doesn't want that? Well, you should see that this is a book of promises. Over 7,000 of them. Now, I don't believe that all of them are for you, but a bunch of them are. And I'm telling you today, you need to believe again, live again, find joy again in the promises of God. What does God promise Joshua? A couple things. He promises him, first of all, strength. In verse 5, he says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I'll be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. What God asks you to do, he will give you the very power to do it. Amen? He will give you the very power to do it. Where he leads you, where he guides you, he will provide for you for his glory and the good of others. The second thing he promised him was success. But without, but before the promise, there's always a premise, yes? Before the promise, God's going to say, this is going to have to happen before this promise will be done. Yes or no? All right, here we go. Be strong and very courageous in verse 7. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Let me give you a biblical perspective that most church people do not want to hear. I'm not sure how, real sure how interested God is in your goals and your agenda and him being your little helper for those things. I'm, I'm not real sure of all that. I, God is for you, not against you. Amen? God wants good things for you. But I'm not sure, as God is calling you into this promise, that he's all about being your divine genie to fetch your wishes. I'm not sure that that's the, what he is saying. In fact, I know that's not what he's saying. In Christianity today, though, most Christians live like we are here for God's good pleasure instead of for us being here for his good pleasure. I think most of us, if we were to be honest, we live our lives like God is our little helper for our agenda and our goals. He's just quite simply an addition to my life and not the core of my life where I live my life for his agenda and his goals. I just don't know how interested God is really interested in being your helper for just your stuff. And that's why, listen, your success rate right now is horrible. You're not doing what God wants you to do. You're doing what you want to do. Psalm 37, 4, I hear it quoted all the time. It's one of my favorite verses. Delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know what most people hear? Blah, 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 blah. He will give me the desires of my heart. Right? I mean, we think that it is about me. It's about my desires he shall give me the desires of my heart is not the point of the verse. Delight in the Lord. Immerse yourself in Him. Surrender yourself 
to his plans, his will, have an intimate love relationship with God. And when your desires become his desires, his desires become your desires, the success rate goes way up. Yes? God guarantees success at, success at what he puts you on earth to be and do for his dream, his plan, his purpose. Can I ask you a question? Whose plan was it to go into the promised land? God's or Joshua's? It was God's. It's God's plan. It's his agenda. So let's live in God's agenda, his plan, and your success rate is likely to go way up. And that leads us to this. To do God's plan, you need God's support. In verse 9, it says, For the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. All the successes, all the support, all the promises of God that you are hearing this morning are null and void unless you trust and obey God's word. You cannot have a promise without a premise until this book lives and breathes and moves in you and you begin to obey the written word and the living word, Jesus. You'll not have his support. You with me? You'll not have it. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You want, you want success? You want support? Then speak in my love language and trust me, God says, and obey me. You want the promise? Then listen, Joshua. Joshua 1, 7 and 8 says this. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the right, to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate it on, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And here's the promise. What does it say? Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Hey, listen, be careful. Study, obey, make wise choices, and you will be successful. Does that sound like a plan? This does to me. Remember God's word. Study God's word. Obey God's word. Notice God's promise is not so much based upon your ability as much as it is based on your commitment to God's word and his power in your life. See, getting in God's word will give you the faith to love like Jesus loved, give like Jesus gave, serve like Jesus served. Why? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you a spiritual self-feeder? Do you just come to church and you receive this? And man, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're receiving this, some of you. <laughs> right? But you have got to get into this book yourself and feed yourself because you want God's best for your life. You want that full life that Jesus promised. The success stories or the risk and the dreaming and imagining big things for God. And for our families and for our workplace and our play only come when we happen to live and breathe and move in this life-giving tool. In an intimate love relationship of obedience with God himself. Joshua faced one battle after another. As you would read in the book of Joshua, he faced one problem after another. Yet he stayed the course. He kicked tail and took names and he stayed the course. Why? 
How did he have long obedience in the same direction? Number four, you need to lean on Jesus. Lean in, press into Jesus. Leaning is more than believing, isn't it? Is it? When you lean on something or someone, you're trusting that thing or that person to do what? Hold you up. Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I'll not fail you nor abandon you. God is talking to you this morning. He says, press into me. I'm pressing into you. And as long as you do that, you are an unstoppable force for the living God, for my kingdom. And as Joshua trust fell into God, he was the very force of God. And he was victorious in every single battle that he depended upon the Lord. Four times he says, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Be determined. Why? Joshua, when I am near, you will lose your fear. I'm never going to leave you. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who and what are you trusting in? What's your source of strength? Is it the approval of people? Because I know it can't be for me. But that's a shaky, shady foundation. People are going to mess you over. Right? And they're going to let you down. You know why? It's not because all of them are evil. Some of them are. But it's because they get tired of holding you up. Right? We all get tired. Like you say, well, if I get trust in people, then I'll trust in myself. Can you hold yourself up? No, I I let myself down all the time. I get disappointed in myself all the time. January is just around the corner, isn't it? You're going to make some New Year's resolutions and then you're going to what? I'm going to break them. After the first week. You disappoint yourself all the time. If you depend on yourself, you know you'll fail. If that's all you depend on. You can't trust your willpower, your drive, your strength. So what do you do? The Bible says this. One of my favorite verses in all the scripture. Proverbs 3, 23 and 24. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I see you mouthing the words, some of you. Do you believe that? Let's be straight. Pressing into God, trusting God, it can be a scary thing. It's uncomfortable sometimes. But some of you, it's time for you to get comfortable with God making you uncomfortable. It's time for you to understand, is God going to come through for you? Yes, he is. Maybe not in the way you thought he would, but yes, he is. Is God going to come through for me? Maybe not in this life, but maybe in the next. One way or another, God will come through. But trust in him. Lastly, if you've got to live the dream, launch out by faith. Though there comes a point in my life, I've got to stop discussing it. I've got to stop talking about it, thinking about it, and even sometimes praying about it and go do it. In spite of your feelings, in spite of your fears and your doubts, there comes a point. You've got to stop listening to a pastor like some of you have. And you've got to come to terms with getting off your blessed assurance and putting it into gear and doing something about it. Because I can't speak this into existence for you. Joshua 1, 10 and 11, lastly. Joshua commanded the officers of Israel to go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. It's the moment of truth, guys. 
Time to go for it. Get in gear. Lay it on the line. They had to take the plunge literally across the river. Now, the Jordan River is not a great big river. It's about 100 miles wide, 100 miles, 100 feet wide and 20 feet deep. Not a big river. But it gets big in the flood season. Guess when they're there? They're there. They're, they're there during the flood season. Isn't that just like God to put them in a situation where things seem overwhelming? They didn't know how they were going to get across. There's no bridges or pontoons or how's Joshua going to get this band of slaves across the raging river? God says, I'm going to do a miracle. God says, I'm going to do a miracle. You remember 40 years ago when I parted the Red Sea? I'm going to do that only different. I'm going to have you guys begin to walk in first and then God does a miracle and dams the river upstream 17 miles. But you've got to step out on faith first and then you get the miracle. And so they did. They put the leaders up front. They stepped out by faith and God performed the miracle and they crossed over. What's your Jordan River this morning? Every single one of you have it. There's some sin. There's some something in your life that's keeping you from being all that God's called you to be. What's the barrier in your life look like that you're never going to get around? It's in the way. I could ever be used by God because of, what is it? It's the reason why you're not living fully as Jesus promised his kiddos. And the first step is always the hardest step, getting into the river and watching God do the miracle. What do you do when God asks you to do something and you're scared to do it? What do you do? You do it anyway. You do it anyway. If you know it's the right thing to do, you're like, I'm not sure this is the right thing to do. How do I know? It'll sound a lot like this book. Yes? Right? You do it anyway. I tell my kids all the time, run headlong towards your fear. Like, we'll be playing in, 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 in our home, and I'm throwing stuff at them, like hangers and stuff. We're playing. And I say to them all the time, run towards the hanger. Don't run away from it. It hurts more when you run away. You, you don't get that, do you? When you run towards the thing, it doesn't hurt near as bad, right? I've taught them this day after day. I teach them this. And the thing that's the hardest thing to do is run towards the very thing that God's told you to do and move ahead in spite of your fear. What do I do when I know it's the right thing to do and I don't feel like I can do it and I don't have faith? Do it anyway and faith will show up. The miracle comes when you step out. On faith. I'm too old to launch out on faith. Joshua's 80 right here. Right? So you're never too old to be used by God. God can have your best days in front of you. For some of you, step out by faith. Do you want to be used by God or not? Yes or no? I'm telling you, some of you just need to start small. You need to face your fear with faith. And my greatest fear for some of you is that you're not going to have the faith stories because you never put yourself in a position to need anything from God. You're very comfortable. You don't need a miracle from God because you, you never put yourself in a position to need a miracle from God. Because you think you know better than God. You have loopholes this morning of why you don't do the things God has asked you to do. you got rationale. To not do the things, the very things God is reaching out for you to do. 
to launch out by faith and serve like Jesus served, be generous like Jesus was generous, to love like Jesus loved. You're not going to have any memories. Look at me, my facial area. From kids running up to you, from Honduras, who have smiles on their face, thanking you so much for coming to their village and giving them the message of Jesus because every life was changed in their village. Their mom and dad was changed forever. And generations will be changed forever. You're not going to have those stories because you won't launch out on faith and go on an ICT missions trip with our groups. God's been calling you. He's been asking you. You won't have these little kids running up to you going, Miss Lori, Miss Lori. And they'll never run up to you and they'll never present to you. Thank you so much for teaching me in my Sunday school class because you helped me know God and my family know God. And you won't do it. You know why? Because you're far too comfortable and busy or too fearful. You'll have no thank yous in heaven from friends and loved ones and co-workers who needed to see you live fully for Jesus. And even more, they needed to see you overcome your fear and speak up about your faith and tell them about Jesus. You'll not have the miracles because you never put yourself in a spot to need a miracle. You're comfortable. You won't have the faith stories and you're missing it. By chasing stinking carrots on a stick. You don't serve. You don't give. You don't go. And you're missing everything good that God has for your life. Because you doubt. You don't live in the promises of God. And you don't lean and press into Jesus. You don't obey God's word. And you're not launching out into faith. And you know why? Because you don't want to. We do what we want to do. We do what we're committed to. I always tell people, you do whatever the heck is in your heart to do. What's in your heart that God is pressing on this morning? He's reaching out to you about. Jesus' boys, his disciples, ran with him for three and a half years. And you know this as well as I do. As they ran with him, they were fearful. Yes or no? Fearful. They were Wusses and cowards. Until an event. And an event changed everything for them. So much so that each one of them would go to the, to a martyr's death except John. John was tortured, by the way. What event changed this group of cowards into a faith-living, life-giving unstoppable force for the Lord Jesus. What was it? The resurrection. Changed everything. If you're not in a small group right now, you've not heard this. But it was awesome. God changed them. And in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And that He can and He has for some of you given you a brand new life through His resurrection because He is God and He rose again from the dead to prove that and that He could give you a life of faith. Do you believe that? Then why not live fearless? Why not live by faith? I know for me that scenario changed everything for me. Just a few weeks ago I heard this message. Not this message, but I heard this message on faith saying, launch out in spite of your fear. 
See, God's trying to restore every good thing that we have broken. And he wants us to run in the big dream that he has prepared for us. In Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might think or ask. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? You can't imagine how God could use you. What God could do with you if you were totally, completely sold out to Jesus. What's God calling you out of doubt in today? Because all of us will stand before Jesus one day and give an account of the life you lived leveled against the life you actually lived. And that thing that you've been praying about, can I encourage you to stop praying and making excuses and procrastinating and step out by faith? I'm praying about giving my life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus this morning. Praying about going on a missions trip. I'm praying about joining the church or getting in a small group or being in a Sunday school class. I'm praying about serving or talking to my coworker, my friend, my relatives about Jesus. I'm praying about doing the right thing with my family. About this thing in my life, this sin, this junk. Praying about my attitude. I'll be more thankful, more loving, more kind. Stop praying and start doing it. You're not here by accident. You're here by the intentionality of God who has organized good works and a dream. He's dreamt up for you. Walk in it. Launch out in faith today. Father, I want the story for each individual in here today. And I know that they do too. So I pray, Father, that you would reach into each and every heart today and that you would move them to pray this prayer. Would you pray this with me in your heart? Father, forgive me for the excuses I've used to cover my lack of faith. I've said I'm too busy. I've said I don't have the money. I've said people are better equipped. I've said hurts have kept me from serving you. I've compared myself. Today, I want to live the dream that you have for me and launch out by faith. I want you to use my life, and here it is, for your plans, for your dreams. I trust you to use me. Please take this little seed of faith and make it grow in my life. And the God of God's people said...